0: Welcome to Behind the Schemes, a conversation about protecting our planet's precious wildlife from commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures. This is Risha with Behind the Schemes, and in this episode we're talking about South Africa's alleged rhino horn traffickers, and we're asking, where are they now? Julian Rodemeyer, author of Killing for Profit, Exposing the Illegal Rhino Horn Trade, is here to give us an update. So it's been a while since some of these rhino horn characters have been in the news, so I just want to check in with you and see what they're up to. Let's start with Davi Krunewald.
1: Well, the Krunewald case, Davi Krunewald, as you remember, has been charged with numerous counts, um, you know, literally the prosecutors are throwing the book at him, um, and his trial is due to start on the 21st of July of this year. Uh, whether that'll go ahead, um, you know, a firm trial date has been set, but there is a possibility of a delay. You know, time will tell, essentially.
0: Hmm. And now, weren't his assets seized? Weren't a lot of things taken from his home?
1: Uh, various assets were seized. Um, there were issues that um, led to legal challenge, uh, and the seizure order was overturned, as far as I can recall. Um, and yeah, no, no further steps have been taken there.
0: Interesting. Now, what about these two veterinarians that were arrested along with him, uh, Tut and Duplessis? What is up with them?
1: Well, that's, that's part of the, the court case. Krimenwald's appearing in court with a number of other accused, including um, you know, veterinarians. There's also charges that have been leveled against a number of his employees, including professional hunters uh, and people that, that work for him on his game farm.
0: Now, it seems like after Twit and Duplessis were arrested that the overdosing of rhinos to kill them stopped, or at least... We're certainly not hearing about it. What's going on there?
1: Well, it hasn't really stopped. There have been other cases where, uh, particularly in South Africa's KwaZulu Natal province, where um, rhinos have been darted um, with with large amounts of M ninety nine. So the practice continues, and um, it hasn't it hasn't stopped at all?
0: That's interesting. It doesn't seem like it's being reported in the news as much, or at least international mm-hmm. news.
1: Yeah, I think part of the reason for that, the, the, you know, there is um, a degree, I think, in the media here, um, you know, of, of fatigue almost um, because of the the nature of the poaching, because you have so many cases. Um, you know, last year it was over a thousand rhinos that were poached, and um, there is a degree of fatigue. Journalists and newspapers very often tend to go for the novelty cases, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, for a long time, using M99 was something of a novelty. It is no longer a novelty um so you know that's that it probably one of the instances one of the reasons why it isn't covered as much as it used to be
0: interesting so it's still going on do you think it's uh still veterinarian involvement or do you think someone is stealing it and using it improperly i mean it's obviously it's being used improperly but you know what i mean
1: I think it's a combination of both um I think there are thefts um, but certainly m ninety nine is meant to be a very controlled substance. There are um, supposedly strict regulations for the for the uh, manner in which it is sold um, and the manner in which it's used uh, and clearly, in order to get for for poaching gangs or for people that are involved in some way uh, yeah. in, in rhino poaching to get their hands on it. They need the right connections. They need, um, you know, the ways and means of getting hold of it. So certainly there must be veterinarians who are involved or people at least who have access to M99 who are involved.
0: Hmm. Uh, the charges, going back to the charges that have been leveled against Tavi Kurnewald, those are not all related to wildlife crimes. Uh, there's money laundering and things like that in there, aren't there?
1: Yeah, I think he was charged with over a thousand eight hundred uh, legal counts. Um, hmm. Some of them including racketeering, others of money laundering, fraud. Uh, you know, there's a whole host of uh, of of um, crimes that he was, you know, trading illegally in rhino horns. Um, literally, the prosecutors threw the book at him, and they are trying to make um, an organized crime case out of this. Uh, and essentially, to set an example um, of you know how they pursue what they perceive to be an an organized crime syndicate led by Hrnevald.
0: All right. So let's look at another pair, Simon and Fletcher. What are they up to?
1: Well, Simon and Fetcher were implicated in a number of poaching incidents um, in various national parks across South Africa. Um, they were The implications or the, the allegations were made by a former employee, uh, a man called Dion van Dieventer, who was initially arrested, charged. Um, he pleaded guilty in exchange for a plea deal. Um, he served a very reduced sentence and was subsequently released uh, and he implicated uh, these these two men, Clayton Fletcher, who's a free state game farmer and a hunting outfitter, and Gert Simon, who's a Pretoria-based pilot and was the owner of a hunting safaris company and a game ranch in South Africa. Um, but Van Dieventer at eventually, um, instead of honoring his agreement with the National Prosecuting Authority to testify, pulled out and refused to testify. And as a result, the charges were dropped against both of those men, uh, there were suggestions some time ago that charges might be criminal charges might be reinstated against Clayton Fletcher. That hasn't ever happened. Har um, Simon was notified in a letter um, in two thousand and twelve that the national prosecuting authority would not be proceeding against him with any criminal charges, uh, and they stated in that letter that Van Deventer was their only witness. And I suspect that that is probably the reason why we haven't seen charges being reinstated uh, against against Fletcher, uh, primarily because their their entire case, or a, a significant portion of their case, hinged on Van Der winter's testimony. Um, Van Der winter as you may recall, was a, a very prolific poacher by his own account. Um, he did quite a memorable interview with uh, Peter Gwynne of the National Geographic, and I subsequently interviewed him for my book. He used to boast about how his, his skill as a poacher. Um, he would boast that, you know, his, his shots were clean, he told me. He said that, you know, um, every single shot that he fired was a was a brain shot and they would fall to their knees. But at the same time, he, he tried to uh, create the impression that he somehow felt uh, remorse. And during the course of my research, I found a letter that he'd written in prison to his family which threw that into question. You know, did he really feel remorse? And he wrote about um, watching, you know, through the through the bars in his cell, watching a cat stalking a, a dove. And he described how enjoyable it was watching this, the the cat, and it took him back to the to the time when he was in the bush, and it took his thoughts back to the rhinos that he he stalked. And he ended the letter saying, "Damn, I really enjoyed it." Um, so clearly, there was no remorse there.
0: Uh, and besides, there's a really huge difference between a cat stalking a bird that it's going to eat and a dude with a gun killing a rhino.
1: <laughs> sure, but uh, not, not to deal from apparently.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, now, uh, Simon, is he, in fact, uh, operating a hunting business in the Congo?
1: I believe that he does have some hunting interest in the DRC and other parts of Africa. Um, what exactly those business interests entail, I'm not entirely sure. I know that, um, uh, and one of um, a number of um, NGOs in the area um, have looked into some of his activities there, um, but what the extent, of, I'm not. I'm not personally very sure.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Now, more recently, Marnus Style. Mm. <laughs> what is happening with him? I mean, it's still—I find it very troubling that Lem Tong Thai is doing time and Style is out and about. How did that mm. happen? I mean, I—that I, it, just boggles the mind.
1: Well, let me, let me take you back a bit uh, just to sketch the picture. But Monasdale is a cycling game a uh, game farmer and um, hunter who was linked to the now-notorious SESAVANG rhin horn smuggling syndicate and wildlife crime syndicate. Um, Savang takes its name from an import-export company based in Laos. Its, uh, it's chairman or the, the person who runs the company is a man called Vichai Kirsevang. And late last year, um, the US government announced a $1 million reward for information leading to the dismantling of the Savang network. Um, and it re- referred to the quite uh, incredible evidence that's emerged in in the past few years of Saisivang's activities in all that, you know all aspects of, of wildlife crime. Um, Stale aided and abetted allegedly a number of Thai nationals who were recruited by the syndicate to come to South Africa and obtain uh, lion bones initially and then later rhino horn. And one of the key figures there, as you mentioned, Chamlong Lemtong was later arrested, tried, and pleaded guilty to various charges and was sentenced to 40 years imprisonment. Those charges were, or that sentence was later reduced on appeal to 30 years in prison. Uh, another of his co accused, Punpitak Chunchom, uh, charges were withdrawn against him and stale at the same time, uh, and a number of other accused. Chom subsequently skipped the country, leaving behind his passport, and uh, to this day there's an Interpol red notice out for his arrest. Now, Stale claims and has recently claimed he's recently pl- approached the Pretoria High Court seeking a permanent stay of prosecution. Um, in uh, December 2012, following, his, um, or f- following the the conviction of um, Tong Thai and charges being withdrawn against Stale. Um, I obtained a copy of a video showing a pseudo hunt that took place on Stale's farm, uh, and that video was subsequently broadcast, and it uh, it, it it horrified people, um, and there was quite an angry outcry, um, and it clearly showed that something was horribly amiss. That this was a hunt that was staged. At you know, in the video clip, at no stage does the the hunter who was supposed to shoot the rhino that day. Uh, carry a rifle, raise a rifle, or even fire a single shot as required by hunting regulations. Subsequent to that, Steele was rearrested and charged. Um, and that case has been uh, subject to a number of delays. Um, Stale was charged in March 2013 with 29 counts of fraud relating to the acquisition of hunting permits for alleged pseudo-hunts. And he was also charged with two counts of illegally hunting white rhino. Uh, one of those rhino was the rhino filmed in that particular video clip. And the case was then again postponed to March uh, this year, uh, but in the meanwhile still approached the Pretoria High Court, it's uh, a higher court, and asked for a permanent stay of prosecution. And he's arguing that when charges were withdrawn against him and his co-accused, and when Lem Lemtongtai pleaded guilty, Tai's plea exonerated him and exonerated the others, and that he had an agreement with the National Prosec- Prosecuting Authority that the charges against him had been formally and fully withdrawn. The National Prosecuting Authority says that no such agreement is in place, and in fact that South Africa's Criminal Procedures Act makes absolutely no pre- provision for the final withdrawal of criminal charges. Um, so Stale's application, uh, court papers were filed on behalf of Stale by his attorneys. The judge in that case has decided that because of the, the, the various factual disputes between the parties, between the National Prosecuting Authority and Stale's lawyers, that the case has to go to oral evidence um, so that um, he can hear argument from, from both sides. Uh, a date for that hasn't been set yet. And at this stage, um, it's unclear what, what the impact will be because Stael's um, uh, criminal case has been set down for the 31st of March. Uh, it's not, not too long from now. Um, so what, what the impact would be, whether, whether there'll be an outcome in the Pretoria High Court before then, it's very possible that the Stael case will be postponed again to allow for the, for the Pretoria High Court to make their ruling um, and then it can continue.
0: Hmm. Now, going back to the reward, the million-dollar reward for dismantling the SESAVANG network, is any of that going to come back to style as that network starts getting dismantled, assuming there is going to be someone who comes forward and wants to collect that million dollars?
1: Um, well, I mean, it's assuming that someone does come forward um, mm-hmm. there, and you know whether the reward has the impact. I, I've I haven't seen any developments on that front. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there are plans to advertise the reward more widely, um, including you know advertising it in Southern Africa, not only in in Laos and Vietnam, um, but time will tell. Um, you know, I think I think in many ways the the reward. Illustrates the desperation in this particular case. Um, you know, we've had great successes and remarkable successes, uh, particularly as a result of, of investigations by South Africa's Revenue Service uh, with the convictions of people like Lem Tongtai, with the fact that Stale you know is still facing um, a trial. Um, but the kingpins, the, you know, Vishay Kirsevang, who runs the syndicate, uh, you know, man who's been rather memorably described as the Pablo Escobar of animal trafficking, yeah. which I think is potentially a bit of a push. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, he remains at large, and he remains completely untouchable. Um, you know, the, the US government calls the Kirsevang syndicate one of the most prolific international wildlife trafficking syndicates operating in the world today, yet... You know we can't dismantle them, and that's that's the challenge for wildlife crime investigations. That's a challenge for transnational organized crime investigations. How do we take it further? Because we don't seem to be. You know, it's it's the old refrain of of your your um, your law enforcement efforts stop where your borders begin.
0: Hmm. Wow. All right. One more question. <laughs> do you think that? The numbers of rhinos being killed in South Africa would be as high as they are, if say back in 2010 2011 there would have been a swift and speedy trial and uh, resulting in jail time for Knivalt and his employees and the and the veterinarians. Uh, and same with uh, Simon and Fletcher. Would things be different? Do you think if those pieces of the crime network had been put away a few years ago?
1: I, I don't think so. And I think, you know, that um, you're conflating a number of different types of operations. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that Grunewald may be, you know, many things in the allegations against him, um, you know, involve various charges. He's accused, though, of primarily... Um, killing his own rhinos. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no indication, you know, that he's been linking him to poaching mm-hmm. uh, in South Africa's national parks or anything like that. Um, and, you know, again, I I mean, I think that there, there are so many syndicates out there that are operating. Um, mm-hmm. There's massive demand. Uh, you know, we've seen time and time again, if you go back to the poaching wars of the 1980s, to the Zambezi Valley War in Zimbabwe, um, the large numbers of poachers were have been killed Zimbabwe had a shoot to kill policy um, poachers are being arrested poachers are being jailed for very long periods um, there were you know some inroads against sort of local syndicates very much as we've had here that did nothing to stop it um, you know you you're dealing with uh, poaching for of an animal for its horn which has an extraordinary value um, you know it's a value that outstrips gold um, and I don't see it stopping because of that. I don't see I don't see arrests, um, you know, arrests, convictions, um, and you know, killings of poachers or syndicate leaders being really being you know anything more than a sort of temporary deterrent. Uh, you know, we need to look for 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 other solutions. Um, and one of those other solutions that we need to look into is how do we dismantle these kinds of syndicates uh, because they are, you know, like a hydra. You cut kind off one yeah. head, another head pops up. Um, yep. That that is the challenge, you know. And you're facing syndicates that are moving and shifting. Uh, Mozambique more than ever is playing a big role now. Many of the syndicates that used to be operational in South Africa have moved and set up base there. Some of them have set up base in Angola. Um, hmm. You know, it's it's it's, it's a constant. Movement and the syndicates adapt far far more quickly than than law enforcement efforts can
0: hmm. So you think the involvement of uh, these guys that we were talking about was kind of more opportunistic?
1: Well, I think they saw I think in um, you know in, in in many of those cases They saw an opportunity to mm-hmm. make a large amount of money very quickly um, and They agreed you know took over. Um, whatever conservation ideas they may have had at one stage, that quickly went fell by the wayside, uh, you know, money talks. Yeah. And I, what does worry me in South Africa is while we have, you know, had those arrests and, you know, you've seen um, people like Stale and so on, the, the only major impact we've had on a syndicate for, for, a, for a period of time has been on the Sesavang syndicate with Lemtongtai's arrest. Uh, we're not, we've seen very few similar high-level arrests. There's, there's a case that's going on at the moment um, involving a former South African policeman and two Vietnamese nationals, which is potentially on the same sort of level. But we're not dismantling these syndicates by any means. You, you have the organized criminal syndicates, and then you also have the opportunists, uh, and the two of them uh, quickly find each other. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, thanks so much, Julian. It's great to speak with you again, as always. I'll catch up with you again soon, I think.
1: Thanks very much. No, it's been a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Where Are They Now? An update on South Africa's alleged rhino horn traffickers with Julian Rodemeyer. This is Risha with Behind the Schemes.